Hi, everybody. My name is Tim Johnson. This is Stacy Borjo. Hello. And we're here with Ron Valley. Almost right. said Vale again. Uh, you're the uh, director of programs at Helping Hand Resource Center. Yes. What is your entity, your entity, your group? Helping Hand Resource Center is a nonprofit 501c3. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we provide services to low-income families or individuals, primarily individuals who are troubled youth or individuals coming out of prisons, county jails, juvenile facilities, and individuals who are having a hard time finding work and uh, finding placement in their life as to where they want to be and what they want to do with their life. So we provide a, an array of services. Um, we try to provide a holistic approach to, to serving our clients. So we uh, deal with all aspects of uh, social services as well as job placement, job training, and housing and education. So it's quite a bit. Yeah. And how long have you guys been in Peoria? Um, Liberty United Love Ministries is the parent company of um, Helping Hand Resource Center and they've been here since 2001. Okay. And Helping Hand Resource Center opened its doors back in 2014. Where are you located? We're located at 1211 South Blaine Street in Peoria, Illinois, on the corner of Star and Blaine. Awesome. So what's your age range of people that you guys focus Oof. on? It, it's actually from 17 all the way up to, uh, I think our oldest client right now is uh, 72. Okay. Yeah. And so, so who, how do people get to hear about you guys? Well, mainly we're referred uh, as from either law enforcement agencies or from local nonprofit agencies um, that, that uh, are in the community. They refer them to us for um, help in their services. So we do have several walk-ins, and then when we advertise for jobs that are available and stuff like that, we, we have some application processes. So if somebody's looking for a job, where would they go to look for that information? They could go to our website, which is www dot phhrc.org and phhrc stands for peoria helping hand resource center so you help people <coughs> basically get in trouble right and that's the, the underlying mission is well they don't necessarily have to have been in trouble they could also be individuals who are on the road to trouble are diff just difficulty coping with life in general um, coming from a low-income family, sometimes it can be stressful. Sometimes some of the uh, advantages to uh, uh, low-income families can be uh, pertinent and, uh, and hard to uh, achieve. And so with the support system, it's, uh, it's a much better atmosphere where they can actually try to achieve certain things. So is it somewhat of a mentoring program? Um, actually, it's a whole holistic approach to social services if I can kind of give you a, what happens when an individual walks in the door mm -hmm. um, he is first screened um, he or she is first screened they're screened for mental health they're screened for drug and alcohol abuse and they're screened for anger management um, so basically what we deal with first off is whether or not they're able to be able to work uh, so that we got to make sure their soft skills are intact um, and then we also check to see what their uh, mental health is to make sure that they're not having any difficulty with mental health issues that could impede their employment prospects. Then we train them in jobs and we train them through food handler certification, data processing, um, we train them in um, beverage serving, we train them in, in safety, customer service, um, a lot of aspects of things that go on with the training process. 
and then we place them in jobs. And after a certain period of time after they're on their job, then we uh, look for housing for them, affordable housing. Um, and then we place them in a home or an apartment complex. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, then we work on their education, what they want to do. Um, we always say that the first job is not the job you want, it's the job you need. And that job you need is always to pay, be able to pay your bills, take care of the things that you need to take care of. And while you're working the job that you need, let's try to find the job that you want by training you, um, getting you trained in the field that you want to be involved in so that uh, when you have the opportunity, uh, you're ready to go and you can find a job that provides you a livable wage and a job that you enjoy. So at the end of the day, you're moving on up in life rather than just being stagnant. So those are, that's basically what we do. And it, it seems small, but it's very complex. And to explain it all in detail yeah. would, would take hours, hours. That's a lot of testing. Is that all done in like one day or how does no, that work? No, it's done in a course of, of three, to, three to ten days depending on <coughs> what their application process states and so on and so forth. We uh, also in, um, instituted a temporary agency within our, our um, program. So what we do is we um, contact local employers and we let them know that we have trained individuals and we ask the employers to use them on a temporary basis where we are like a temp service, where we provide them temp workers and eventually we're hoping that the employer will eventually hire them on permanently. It gives the employer an opportunity to not take the big risk of just hiring someone right at the get-go. They actually get to see what that individual can do, how they get along with their fellow coworkers, how they get along with uh, supervision, and so on and so forth, and how their way of life is so that they can um, take a look at that before saying, yeah, okay, let's hire him. Um, so it's opened up a lot of doors for employers to uh, work with more minorities, um, low disadvantaged individuals have the opportunity now to to get a job. We also provide transportation to and from work to all of our clients so that if they're working, for example, let's say in Morton, um, we'll provide them a, a transportation to Morton and a transportation back from Morton. Um, and that's opened the door for a lot of individuals who've never had the opportunity to get a job because of transportation issues. Right. So in 61605 and 61604 and 03, it's, we've employed over 280 individuals who've never been employed ever in their entire life wow. due to transportation issues. So that's an increase in a volume of economic impact within the community, just placing individuals new into the work environment. So it's, it's a pretty successful program. We have some pitfalls at times. For example, we don't have enough transportation vehicles because now we're transporting more and more individuals as days go by. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's, it's been working really well. So. so who is driving? Who's doing all this driving? Do you guys have buses or individual cars? We I mean, that's have, a lot of people to get have, to from uh, work. We have seven staff members, and sometimes work starts at 4.30 in the morning. Sure. And sometimes work don't get done till 5.30 at night or 6.30 at night. <coughs> are 2 o'clock in the morning. So we have staff members who work in shifts as far as transportation goes um, where they'll use <coughs> either use um, their vehicle or our agency vehicles to take pick people up um, at the center and take them to work. So Wow. Yeah. And uh, we need to hire more drivers and, of course, we need more vehicles. And it's... Is that something that you can't, you maybe utilize volunteers for? 
We'd love to have volunteers, but there's not too many volunteers wanting to wake up at 3.30 in the morning to be able to start transport at 4.30. You never know. You don't. I mean, there are yeah. people of all kinds that are used to that kind of schedule. So It would be nice, but we, we, we tried to find volunteers for that early morning hours, and it's just not been one of those things <laughs> that we've been able to conquer. Yeah. So most of our staff start work at 3 o'clock, you know. And they get done around 2, and then another staff member will take over at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon and do the evening pickups and so on and so forth. So we like to hear the backstory. How did you get started in all of this? Well, I, uh, I'm a native of the Quad Cities, and um, I'm born and raised in Davenport, Iowa. Um, I come from a family of 19, 10 brothers, 8 sisters, and my That's parents. That's all? That's it. <laughs> That's it. My, my parents have, uh, were married for 60 years, happily, and... Um, and uh, I went to college at Mary Crest College in, in uh, Davenport and got my business administration degree and um, worked for a local newspaper in, in Davenport. And I've always had the idea of wanting to um, be involved with the community, wanting to help individuals uh, achieve their goals. And so I had an opportunity to meet uh, the director and... Um, came up here and, and for four years I've been helping create the program and and uh, making it as successful as we possibly can with the means that we have. So, awesome. so what kind of uh, triggered the desire to be a community difference maker for you? I think for me it is um, I think sometimes the um, uneducation that we as a typical American has within us that has very little knowledge of what it's like to live in poverty. I, I think it's uh, the knowledge that we lack of understanding that if, as a community, if we support one another, we become a stronger community. Um, it takes a village is, is one, of the, one of the phrases <laughs> that is a truism. Um, I'd like to stay away from government and state involvement. I think if we as a city, for example, Peoria, our community can't handle their own problems, then we have some problems. Because I think, we're, I think we have some very talented individuals in our community. I think we have some very giving and very supportive individuals in our community. So I think we have the power to make our community strong, viral, and, and ready to go with any issues that uh, hit our doorstep. We just have to unite. I think that's what it is. And, that what, and that's what motivates me. I, I, I like to motivate individuals. I like to motivate the community to get involved and to understand that not everyone lives in comfort, you know, and, but not everyone wants to live in comfort either. There, there are some people who really want to make a change in their life, and then there are some people who don't. Mm -hmm. And uh, my theory has always been, and uh, I think sometimes people disagree with me, is, is that, I want to be there for the people who want to change. I can't be there for the people who don't want to change. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time. Because for an individual to make a change, they have to want that desire. I can't force that desire on them. I can't give them something to, for a miracle cure to make them change. It has to come from the heart. It has to come from the desire to want to change. And as a community, we need to focus on individuals who want to make a change rather than make it a widespread blanket approach. Everyone gets an air conditioner. Everyone gets free rent or help rental assistance just because. I think we should be helping people who want to change. 
Rather than saying, here, here's an open door policy. Come on in. If you need rent assistance, all you got to do is come see us once a month and we'll take care of you. I just don't believe in that. I believe in helping individuals who want to make a pertinent change in their life, who want to be a part of the community, who want to be involved in the workforce, who want to say, I am woman or I am man, and let me be who I want to be rather than give me this and let me be happy with that. And there's a lot of people who want the change in our community. There's a lot of people who want to prosper. There's a lot of people who don't know how to. And there's a lot of people who want to learn how to. There's a lot of people who want to learn how to fish rather than us fishing for them. Right. So So who gets to ask them that question? I mean, how do you decipher? I mean, obviously, there are the obvious people who want to make a difference and some people who don't. But who's asking them that question? Is that you guys at... Helping hand, or is that your police officers or correctional facilities? Or, I mean, how, where is that being determined? I'm just kind of curious. Well, you know, Helping Hand is a non traditional 501c3 nonprofit organization. Um, there's not a lot of paperwork, there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of conversation, there's a lot of counseling, there's a lot of assessments. When, when you think of an assessment, you think of when we think of assessment tests, we think of going on a computer, answering 60 questions, mm-hmm. and it gives us an indication of some uh, you know, indicators where what's going on in this person's life. And, and you know, it's very helpful. I'm not going to say that it isn't. It's, it's very helpful to, to, to us as a social service to determine what questions we should ask. But we've kind of taken it to a step different, a, a, a different level, where we actually have conversations with our clients. They don't they don't get just to meet a case manager or a receptionist. I actually know every single client that we have of the 270 active clients, and I spend time with them. Our director, John Wright, spends time on the field. He's not in his desk. He doesn't sit in his desk. He, you'll never find him at his desk. He's usually involved with the clients, visiting them at their home, talking to them on the street, getting involved, um, taking them to where they need to go to. I think when it comes to... Um, communicating with individuals, they have to be able to feel that they're on an equal level, that they're being treated fairly, that they're being talked to fairly, and they're being respected, and that they're given an opportunity to have someone in their life that will support them with knowledge and wisdom rather than with what the pocketbook has to offer. So I think we're kind of non-traditional in that sense where we are more in the field than sitting in our offices and 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 working on our computers and so on and so forth. So I think that's one of the biggest assets that we have. We're here with Ron Valley, uh, Director of Programs at Helping Hand Resource Center. We're about halfway through our conversation. And uh, make sure that you take the time and like us on Facebook. Uh, We're both In the Neighborhood and Peoria Life. Uh, Like us on YouTube also. You can follow us on YouTube and, and check us out there along with WPO and uh, I3 Broadband and Comcast also. The share so. button helps a lot, too. So yeah. if you get to see it, then you hit share. Yeah. Please share. Please <laughs> comment. If you know of anybody in the area uh, <coughs> that needs some um, information as far as people getting involved and volunteering for their programs, uh, let us know. Share it in our comments. We're, we're glad to pull them up. Uh, we're starting to fill our next year's schedule, so make sure you uh, check out in the neighborhood and comment on there. 
Um, I bet you have some pretty awesome stories in, in the work that you do. Well, I'm going to tell you, when we, when we opened our doors in 2014, <coughs> our creation and planning was starting as early as 2013. So in 2013, I was sitting in Liberty United Love Ministries, and next to Liberty, attached to the building, is where Helping Hand Resource Center is. And when I arrived, it was bare walls, um, ceilings with no ceiling tile or no nothing, and wires hanging down everywhere but loose. Um, And I was sitting on a, a plywood, I guess, plywood table that was with a makeshift computer and and I, my my first thought was what did i do <laughs> was it safer to walk into a an existing organization rather than come in here and try to create something and not try to reinvent the wheel but actually make a outside the box kind of thinking but i continued on and i met my first client I was the only staff member, and my first client's name was Karan, and he was a young African-American male who was staying at Salvation Army with his mother and his sister. And um, they were homeless, and they had nothing to gain, no employment. He was 18 years old. Um, But he always came in for two weeks straight saying, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? What can I do to help you? Can I help you sweep the floor? Can I do something? And so on and so forth. So finally, I I contacted a compost company that made compost, and they hired him. And he broke into tears when he met the owner because the owner came down and spoke with him. He brought some... um, some uh, stuff for the playground, <laughs> and he met Karan, and, and he said, you know, I need someone to help at the compost site. Do you know of anyone? And Karan happened to be in the building, and I said, well, yeah, here's Karan. He's a good 18-year-old young man and very, very smart, very uh, talented and willing to do just about anything you need him to do. Well, he worked with him for two years, moved to Florida with his family. He now has a beautiful wife, been married for a year and a half. He has a job that pays him over $47,000 a year. He graduated from college, community college, and he is doing fantastic. And stories like that is what keeps me going every day, every day. And that is the, that is the one pivotal moment in my life that keeps me hanging on because I remember that beginning. And that beginning is such, it's such a victory over what we tend to say they can't do it. it. It's just a victory. And, and, it, and it's just a, a great surprise and great um, thing to see individuals making moves in their life. Mm-hmm. And, and their family's doing great too. The mom's working now and the daughter's working. And, and they recall, and we talk. I got his phone number in my, my cell phone and he calls me about two or three times a month and and does a great job, and, and he's, he's just a great inspiration to me. So he's become my mentor. <laughs> and and uh, so I'm, that's one of them stories that I can tell you about. And um, we constantly are growing and uh, as far as new clients every day, new adventures. No client is the same. <laughs> every client has a different need, a different uh, um, situation, and... And so it's not something where there's a policy book that just says, hey, this is how step A goes and step B goes. 
it's a wing and a prayer. And, and you try to pay attention to your client as much as possible. Um, keep proper notes so that your memory lapse doesn't go by. And you try to help them as much as you possibly can. So it's, it's a good job. I love it. I don't even think of it as a job. I wake up every morning looking forward to doing them 15, 16-hour days. So That's awesome. That is. So what's your biggest needs right now? Whew. Funding. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to also mention something that may not be kosher, and, and that is, you know, it's easy to say out of our mouths in our community, I, 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 was, I was able to help the homeless. And I donated something, and I give something, I give my time to the homeless. And it's easy to say I was able to help disadvantaged children. And we feel good about ourselves when we do that. And it's, it's easy to say, you know, I helped build a home for a disadvantaged family and, and so on and so forth. These are just really good things for us to feel really good about. But one of the hardest things that we have faced, that it's not easy for individuals to say, I just helped the next convict. That's a hard thing for us to say and hard thing for us to swallow. Kind of embarrassing at times to say, you know, I give $100 to an agency that helps ex-convicts. So we've faced that, that traditional problem for the last four years of funding. Um, and it's always been pertinent in our community. It's, it's hard for us as a community to say, why would I want to help ex-convicts get back on their feet? Why would I want to help support them um, in, in things so that they could uh, do well off or do better in their life? And the answer is always preventative maintenance. That's why. You want to help individuals because you want, you want to do preventative maintenance. Our community lacks preventative maintenance. I would rather uh, spend 5000 this is what it costs us per client, $5,800 on a client to get them from step A to step Z by getting them a job, by getting them a house, by getting them into educational programs, it costs us only $5,800 for the lifetime of that client compared to incarcerating them for three years for $120,000. Mm-hmm. To make that change, to put an individual back into the workforce, not only is he paying that forward, he's paying his taxes now, he's paying his uh, employer taxes, he's paying his sales taxes, now he's putting money back into the community. It just seems more common sense to provide a support system to help individuals who want to <coughs> change their life from crime to being a member of the community, an outstanding member of the community. Um, but we tend to find that hard to do. We tend to, so what do we need? We need people to be more understanding, to realize that preventative maintenance is probably what we lack the most on. And if we were to pay attention a little bit more to preventative maintenance, we would see our crime rate drop. We would see um, property damage go down. We would see our jails a little bit less full. We would see our prisons um, not charging our taxpayer dollars uh, an enormous amount of money each year. And if you're curious about that number, it's over $2.7 billion a year that the state of Illinois spends on its prison systems. Wow. So, you know, them numbers are huge compared to in the three years that we've employed over 267 people, which brought in over $13.8 million back into the economy from our guys paying their taxes and their sales taxes and having that buying power. What would you rather do? And so, when you say, what do we need? 
we need some volunteers. We need some transportation. We need uh, some people who would like to come in and teach classes. We need uh, individuals who are willing to uh, work with individuals for GED tutors. We need um, people who are, <coughs> are trained in budgeting, how to, to teach our guys how to budget their money. We need a whole aspect of things. Um, we just now started paying our, our employees. And for two year, three years, we have not been able, it was all volunteers, none but volunteers. And we've been able to start now paying our, our, our volunteers actual uh, uh, a wage. And, and so that's a step up. And, and with that, that's, that's a good thing. But it, we're not getting quality employees because we're not able to pay them a whole bunch. Um, but we get employees who care. We get employees who are there for a reason. They're there to see the mission accomplished. And uh, so it's not the matter of edu education or knowledge or wisdom. It's the drive that an individual has to want to help someone that keeps them standing. And um, so I'm, <coughs> I'm encouraged to say with what we need, we need a whole spectrum of things. We need some support systems for our, our, our individuals coming out of prison. We need support systems for our individuals that are low income. Um, if you drive down 61605, you'll see a lot of boarded up homes. Mm -hmm. um, we shouldn't have that, but we do. If you uh, realize that there's no grocery stores within three miles in 61605, you ask yourself why. Why is that happening? And uh, when you ask yourself why is there no employment in 61605, because there's no businesses down there to employ them. Um, so these are things that we'd like to see happen. More businesses come in our community, more um, job opportunities and more training opportunities for individuals to be trained in jobs. Um, we like to see more people being able to help in their social services area. Um, we do a lot of teaching as far as conflict resolution goes, and so there's a lot of things that we do that uh, we could use some help on. So. so if somebody wanted to volunteer and help you guys out, what would they do next? They could come in and talk to us. That okay. would be the first step. Come in and talk to us. Let us know what their available times are, okay. what their experience is, what their knowledge is, what they would love to share um, of their wisdom and knowledge and, mm -hmm. and how we can use that wisdom and knowledge that they possess towards our clients and how it could benefit. Even just to be a mentor for an hour a week to a client is so beneficial. Um, we have individuals like uh, Sid Ruckrickle, which is the council member at large, who mm -hmm. comes in and visits our center on a regular basis and, and mentors individuals. We have uh, Chuck Weaver, who is our state senator, who comes in and, and, monitor, and, and mentors individuals that spends, you know, not a whole bunch of time, but some time with individuals talking about what they want to achieve, see if they can help them reach them goals by getting them in contact and helping them with networking. So there's a lot, of, a lot of good people that come in and help out. And they don't spend a lot of time, but they spend the quality time. So we could use business owners. We could use people from just pastors. We could use uh, people who graduated from high school and how difficult it was to share those experiences with individuals. So we could use a wide spectrum of individuals. We have just about a minute left. Um, what is the best way to reach you? Uh, website? Email? They could reach us at uh, our phone number, which is 309-981-5811. They could reach us through our website, um, which is www.phhrc.org. Or they can reach us through Facebook. We also have a Facebook uh, page called Helping Hand Resource Center. 
and they could like us and share with us and, and leave us some messages um, and so on and so forth. And it's helping hand with a single hand, Helping right? hand, yes. Helping hand, awesome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're here again with Ron Valley, uh, Director of Programs at Helping Hand Resource Center. Appreciate your time. Thank oh, you so it. much for coming in. Thank you very much. Thank I you. It. It's nice meeting you guys. PeoriaLife.com.